This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to the long weekend edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. A lot to talk about today, not the least of which, the state of our real estate. In our second hour, one of the most experienced, astute observers on the front line of real estate, Dan Jones, president of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers, with what he is doing to oversee his company's handling of the COVID crisis. Appraisers are an essential service. Why that is will be explained along with Dan's overview of the market. If there ever was a sector of the economy under the eagle eye during this crisis, the manufacturing sector, Lisa McGuire, the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of British Columbia, will join us in just a moment. But first, a few of the headlines that made the grade for Vancouver Consumer this week. According to a company helping procure face masks for federal and provincial governments, We're going to need 412 million masks, both surgical and non-surgical, over the next 12 months. As we reopen the economy, more people moving into open spaces. British Columbia ranks fourth among the provinces in face mask demand. There should be enough to go around, depending on who gets into the market, and are already robust suppliers, both domestic and foreign. The oldest retailer in Canada will begin to slowly reopen this coming Tuesday. The Bay has 18 stores in B.C., 10 of which are in the Lower Mainland. There will be a number of notable restrictions in place and reduced store hours. The Bay will have enhanced cleaning protocols and directional signage on its floors. With regard to the reduced hours, the Bay will open from noon to 5 daily, except Tuesdays, when they'll open one hour earlier, 11 in the morning, for seniors, people with disabilities, and frontline workers only. B.C. dentists will not be returning Tuesday, as had been assumed under Premier Horgan's reopening plan. Simply put, the dentists are just not fully prepared in terms of their safety protocols, including a shortage of protective equipment. We've been advised to stick close to home this long weekend. Non-essential travel is verboten, including boten. Recreational boaters have been warned by the Coast Guard and a number of communities along our coastline that if you do choose to go on the water, you'll have to follow public health guidelines and, quote, proceed with common sense and good judgment, end quote. If you're a religious observer and miss going to church, synagogue, temple, new pandemic guidelines apply to places of worship. As you know, there is a continued ban on gatherings of more than 50 people. Several places of worship have uh, violated those self-distancing rules. Many more have been meeting and worshiping online. I mentioned off the top this country will need more than 400 million masks over the next 12 months. Manufacturers have either retooled or new players are getting into the market to fill that demand. Manufacturing is a key component to everything that is happening, so we thought it a good idea to bring on Lisa McGuire, the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of BC, to get the lay of the land. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm fine, Manny. Thanks for inviting me on the show today. Well, first of all, tell us, uh, for for those of us uninitiated, uh, what the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of BC is all about. So the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of BC is an organization that works with manufacturers and food processors to develop plans and safe operations to reduce 
the transmission of COVID-19. In addition, we are an organization dedicated to help support the industry in reducing injuries. So that is our, our role, and we help support uh, a number of manufacturing and food processors to build effective health and safety programs to protect their workers. Well, as a consumer, Lisa, um, how much comfort can I have that the product that I'm receiving through the shipment chain is safe? Well, in terms of the the programs we deliver, are you asking this question, or are you looking really at um, PPE as it relates to COVID-19? Well, as an end consumer, for example, if I uh, buy a... Uh, a packet of chicken from a manufacturing plant. How can I be assured that that chicken has been handled at the plant properly and shipped out properly? So, I mean, when you look at the food in particular, you're looking at food safety. So we provide health and safety support to companies protecting their workers. So our particular expertise looks at the people protecting workers we have a, an entirely different um, agency, which is the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, that looks at the food safety. Well, Lisa, I mentioned at the top of the hour that uh, there's been a report this week that over the next 12 months, this country uh, will require more than 400 million masks, both surgical and, and non-surgical. In the manufacturing sector in British Columbia, are you seeing a number of manufacturing companies retooling to take advantage of what will be this huge requirement? So we're certainly looking at um, some manufacturing companies are retooling and developing PPE such as face shields, and a number have adapted to be able to support industry through this pandemic. And with that, we have partnered with another association, the BC Food and Beverage, that is really leading the procurement to ensure that that is coordinated effectively. Our expertise is the health and safety component. So we have an industrial hygienist that looks at the details around ensuring that the PPE, uh, the types of PPE are um, effective for workers, what we're looking at in terms of a respirator versus an N95 versus a, um, a P100 respirator with cartridges. This is where our team, health and safety team, provides that expertise to support the effective procurement so the right respirator goes for the right control to protect workers. Yeah, there's such a variation in some of these masks. It's uh, some of, you know, even taken up the fashion mask. <laughs> Not so sure how, <laughs> how effective those are, but uh, good on you folks at the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of BC for protecting those uh, frontline workers. You can contact Lisa through the website, safetyalliancebc.ca, safetyalliancebc.ca. In terms of your membership, uh, Lisa, what can they expect in terms of ongoing uh, training and advice? Well, I mean, we're a not-for-profit organization, so our goal is to help support them in providing effective training. We've offered a number of webinars that shows them precisely how to do that. So we are here to help them with any health and safety question that they have related to COVID-19 or other health and safety risks in their organization. We support all of the manufacturing in BC um, today. Our membership constitutes about 24% of 
but we're offering health and safety support to everybody. So if you call us, you know, we're offering free advice because our vision is to reduce injuries. Well, that's a pretty good deal. Free advice from the Safety Alliance BC.ca website. Lisa McGuire, the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of BC. I'm Manny Bazunas. You're listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Uh, the ability to test certain things and to adapt quickly in, in one of your press releases dating back to April the 3rd, seems like uh, years ago, but it's only a little bit more than a month, uh, you highlight that changing behaviors is not easy. What did you mean by that? So when we look at culture in, in the workplace, it is it is what happens on the shop floor when the manager or supervisor isn't there. I mean, these are the behaviors. What has been the, the process when you have a new risk in your organization already established? Is, is there great communication between and working relationship between the manager and the workers in their joint health and safety committee? Um, are they solving problems together to be able to implement effective controls? I mean, these are the conditions that exist in a workplace that has a very um, positive and engaged health and safety culture. And that's really important. Uh, you know, the role of, of the leadership plays a critical role through their actions and decisions that influence what is important in the business. And this impacts the choices made on the shop floor. So the actions and decisions communicate what is valued most. And that reinforces what is important to the people in the organization, which starts at the top. So administrative control, which is what we're seeing with COVID-19 adapting as one of the controls, the hierarchy of controls, very important because they are policy and procedures that are happening because it's valued within the organization. Health and safety is an intimate, integrated value within the business that would expect those behaviors to um to occur as a result of changes that would be required in the workplace, such as ensuring that you, you, you communicate with the, with the leadership when you are, are sick and you, you stay home. That is an expectation. It was something that, that would be assured and reinforced at the leadership. Well, uh, being the chief executive officer of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of British Columbia, in your conversations and I don't know how many you've had, I'm assuming many, with other CEOs. Were any prepared for this type of crisis? I mean, manufacturing over the years has had all kinds of crises, but never before have we seen this. How How is the leadership in manufacturing uh, prepared or ill-prepared for this type of crisis? Well, I think this pandemic cost caught many off guard. I mean, we certainly haven't seen um, this before, you know, really a a real significant change to business, to being, you know, shutting down various components so quickly. Um, I mean, it, it is definitely has been, has caught many off guard, all of us in terms of in some capacity, but the ability to, to implement controls effectively to have a system in place that manages health and safety risk. I think we're better prepared to be able to move forward and with, together with our workforce in putting in the effect of engineering, which, you know, the guarding in terms of the, uh, the plexiglass that we have seen now to help uh, manage the social distancing, 
to move forward with changes in the policies and processes quickly, uh, more effectively, I would say, than those that weren't used to um, adapting to managing risk well in terms of health and safety. Well, employers can start by visiting the website safetyalliancebc.ca, clicking the COVID-19 safety assessment. What can employers find when they click that on? I did it this week, uh, Lisa, but what can an employer find on your website that would be helpful without having to contact you personally for a uh, uh, top-to-bottom rejigging of their plant? So in terms of what we've recently put on is, a, is an assessment. So when you click on, it has a number of features to the um, left that would enable them to click on. You know, do they have it or do they not have it in terms of whether it's, um, you know, their utilization of PPE, in terms of social distancing, what are they doing? And then from that, if they don't, there's a number of resources and pictures that helps them with that particular component. And it really gives them a lot of resources that are applicable to certain areas that they need to put together a safe operations plan, and it provides guidance on how to do that. In addition, we have a number of other resources and taped webinars that provides them with a wealth of information to help support them in building their safe operations plan that is, that is required in order for them to operate. Lisa McGuire, the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of BC, joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. How to contact Lisa and uh, her group, safetyalliancebc.ca, safetyalliancebc.ca. I guess when this hit uh, February, March, Lisa, obviously uh, none of us expected it to take the toll that it has and everybody geared up as quickly as possible, and in some cases it was, you know, a, a mass state of confusion. Uh, in some cases in the manufacturing sector, is it too late now to, is the horse already out of the barn in terms of their safety protocols? Well, many continue to operate because, as, as you know, you know, the food processing and manufacturing industries were deemed, are, are deemed in essential services. So certainly ensuring that um, for them to operate, it needed to adapt to these new changes. Absolutely. Well, uh, I guess, you know, most manufacturing plants have a health and safety committee, and gosh knows they probably weren't prepared for this. Many organizations uh, are unionized. Have you got the necessary help in developing these programs? I mean, it's in the union's best interest to make sure that their employees are safeguarded as well. So uh, I, I think I can rightly assume that you've had uh, a pretty good relationship now with the unions within the plants. So, I mean, this is where we talk about and reinforce the culture once again. It's, it's ensuring that those that have um, a strong working relationship between the workers and the management work together in shaping plans, looking at the identifying the risks, which in this case, you know, is COVID-19 and preventing the transmission of that within a facility is to ensure that, that those risks are identified and controls are worked through together with the joint health and safety committee so that when they are implemented in the organization, there is confidence, and this creates and reinforces um, positive outcomes in terms of helping workers feel safe coming to work. When they're 
effective communication is happening at all levels. It is getting questions answered quickly so that they, again, are reinforced that their issue or concern is addressed at the earliest opportunity. This also goes hand in hand with helping support an effective mechanism to reduce anxieties. As you know, it's, it's mental health um, is certainly a, a very important component and, and it's creating stress because this is an unknown virus and all of us are um, a challenge during this time. But those, some are more challenged than others. So ensuring you have a mental health support strategy in businesses is essential and critical to help the workers and all of us through this. Well, I guess there's a connection, Lisa, between the uh, PPE, the personal protective equipment that are issued to plant workers, and their state of anxiety and mental health. We've got a lot more with Lisa McGuire, the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of British Columbia, safetyalliancebc.ca. It's a fabulous organization, a resource for employers to uh, gear up in terms of uh, safety, primarily for frontline workers. And we as consumers want to know that not only are those uh, frontline workers in these manufacturing sectors are being safeguarded in terms of their own health, but certainly uh, the end product which reaches the consumer is also safe to handle. Let's move back on to the assembly line for a second. Uh, Lisa, what are some of the controls when it comes to uh, PPEs, uh, personal protective equipment for frontline workers in manufacturing? So um, just to begin, I mean, there has been a lot of discussion about PPE, such as N95 masks, but PPE is only one of the hierarchy of controls that companies can use to protect their workers. In fact, it is, um, there are others that are and need to be considered first. We look at Engineering controls, so the barriers that you're seeing made of acrylic and, and clear glass between workers to help support that, that barrier between workers when they're, when they're on the line. Administrative controls, so looking at how do we change um, our behaviors through policy and procedures, you know, staggering shifts or segre- segregating lunchrooms. So some workers go to one room and others go to a, a different lunchroom so that there is a, a, a space and enough space between workers within the lunchroom. And then we look at PPE, where we can't impose engineering controls, and they're impractical. Then we, we look at the, the last line of defense, which is personal protective equipment between the potential you know, the virus in the atmosphere and then, of course, the worker. So I just wanted to make sure that there was a thought process to looking at the other important controls that we need to consider first. When you talk about a safety control that may be impractical on the shop floor, can you give us an example? Would it be, oh, somebody operating a lathe machine with a heavy pair of gloves and a mask that he can't or she can't particularly see out of? So, I mean, precisely. So how can we ensure that we're not introducing new risks by putting in the PPE, because we can't. We have to look at the entire oper- operation of the task to ensure that the right um, mask is in place. So instead of a, uh, something that would impose you know, restrictions upon their work, that we would look at alternatives, and there is a lot of alternatives when it comes to PPE. You see face shields with surgical masks. Um, there are respirators. There, there's a number of different types and you really need to work through a risk assessment within that particular task to ensure that we control all of the hazards at that particular workstation. 
Lisa McGuire, the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of British Columbia. You can reach uh, Lisa through the website, safetyalliancebc.ca. You can check out just a wealth of information about how the Safety Alliance of BC can help you in your manufacturing sector, uh, primarily to keep you and uh, your fellow employees uh, safe uh, during this crisis. It seemed to me, Lisa, that you know we've come a long way from World War II when so many manufacturing plants basically retooled overnight uh, to support the war effort. Well, we're in a bit of a war now against uh, an unseen enemy called uh, COVID-19. Do you think the safety measures that uh, you and your organization have helped employers with will change the landscape in terms of manufacturing as we move forward? Well, certainly this, as you've mentioned earlier, has taken us all off guard on how quickly we needed to adapt. Um, And those environments that have, like I mentioned, health and safety management systems have a system and process in place to identify risk and to control it. Not to mention that, I mean, certainly this was unexpected, so there was still a lot of challenges to be able to, to do that quickly. But I would say that those that have those systems in place were, were more able to adapt. Those that do not have those systems in place certainly have more challenges to be able to, to um, pivot within their organizations to put in those controls. And that's where we've seen some of the... You know, more challenges around that particular uh, companies that, that, again, require more education or knowledge about how do we do that. And that's where we come in to help support companies, all companies, regardless of where you are in your health and safety journey. This is the challenges I face. How do I um, deploy appropriate controls to the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the other risks that my business is faced with? SafetyAllianceBC.ca is how you reach out to uh, Lisa McGuire. She's the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of British Columbia. We've got a small to medium to very large manufacturing plants, even here in little old British Columbia, uh, Lisa. It, uh, does it matter the size of the manufacturing facility uh, when they deal with you? No, no, any size. I mean, certainly the um, the conversation would be different. It needs to be uniquely applied to the circumstance, and that's where our expertise lies. We have a team of professional health and safety experts ready to and available to answer questions either online or over the phone to precisely to be able to adapt to their unique situation. And that's what um, we provide to help support their success. I'm wondering, inside these plants, you had mentioned briefly in the first segment of the show today, Lisa, uh, the anxiety levels, the stress levels. I I don't think there is a person who is not feeling uh, the stress level increase every time they get on the bus or in the car to uh, go into work. Uh, How are these manufacturing plants dealing with the anxiety levels, that can bring on a whole host of problems if it's not dealt properly. And I understand from what we talked about in the first segment that it, it all starts at the top. There's got to be some fabulous leadership and some cultural shifts. But 
you know, that's all well and well said on paper and in some cases in practice. But in reality, uh, how do we deal with the individual who is just too stressed? So, again, it starts with, you know, what is the trust level between, you know, the worker you know, and the management in, in terms of the controls put in place? What is their unique and specific um, challenge? Is, is communication effective so that you can address those challenges, whatever that is for that individual, because stress is caused by something. And with this circumstance, it usually is a unique situation, personal to, to that individual. So that needs to be addressed as quickly and effectively as possible. In addition to ensuring that there are mental health support strategies in, in the organization, it's really important. It is hard on everyone, but especially those that are less able to deal with and adapt to, to such tr- phenomenal change that all of us are, are faced with right now. Well, I think that's the key word, uh, the ability to embrace uh, change. Uh, You know, when things were normal, uh, even a small amount of change, I know even in our business, uh, you know, you would get uh, the doomsday uh, sayers that say, oh, gosh, I I don't know how to do that or I don't want to do that. It's all about uh, being able to suggest to yourself that, you know what, this could be good. Let's try it out. (laughs) I can't think of... One of the things that uh, either your organization, the manufacturers themselves have done, uh, certainly right across all sectors have done, uh, that have been so onerous as to be uh, not able to do. I mean, the things that we've had to change have been relatively easy. I don't want to put, you know, too minimal amount of stress on that, but, you know, it's not a big leap of faith. I don't think when your manufacturing plant said, you know what, we're going to all go into the lunchroom at a different time. I, I, I don't see that as a, as a large leap. But even that can cause some consternation on the shop floor. And, and there's the wealth of information out there, right? I mean, this is, this is an era where so much information is available to so many different people from so many different countries. So with that, you know, that, that is difficult for, for everyone to process on how does that apply to me in my workplace. And that's what I think um, we're all dealing with. But those that are working on the front lines, you know, they're dealing with it and coming to work and hearing about, you know, some of the, the, the real difficult circumstances that other facilities are faced with, with um, some of the, uh, the outbreaks that have occurred. And that's hard. So, Workplaces need to have mental health support strategies, and there is some uh, complementary resources available and help. So we can provide those connections for companies that call us, and we would be happy to do that. Well, not to draw too fine a line on it, uh, Lisa, but I would think that the manufacturers who uh, go that extra mile to protect their frontline workers are also limiting any type of liability that may come down the line uh, or litigation down the line, because I'm hearing from different lawyers that they're gearing up for a substantial increase in the amount of litigation where employees will come back after all this is over and say, my employer didn't protect me. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, this is about how do we do everything that we can to help implement the controls to pre- prevent the spread of COVID-19. 
knowing that we have put them in place and that we together with the Joint Health and Safety Committee are moving forward with addressing the risk in a methodical approach to protect the people that work in that facility. And that really, and I, and I emphasize that because it is a collective effort. It is having the information available that applies to your unique workplace, working through the tools that we have available and asking questions where you, you have questions to put an effective safe operation in, in, in place so that you do have that comfort level. You have the confidence and trust of the people in your organization to come to work and go home safely and healthy to your family. SafetyAllianceBC.ca is how you reach out to Lisa McGuire and her team. Lisa's the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of British Columbia, helping manufacturers uh, province-wide uh, gain some comfort and certainly a lot of knowledge through webinars and other programs. Um, what do you see happening over the next uh, couple of weeks, uh, Lisa, as we move to reopen sectors of the economy? Well, the manufacturing and food processors and beverage processors were deemed essential workers. So they have been working through this period. So those that chose not to operate, certainly they're going to need to adapt their businesses to meet the expectations put forward by the public health office. And with that, we have the tools and resources to help support them. But many, most manufacturers and food processors were certainly um, had these safe operations and will continue to have these safe operation plans um, in operation for the foreseeable future. WorkSafe BC and other health authorities are I know have really been on top of the uh, on top of the game. I mean uh, you know there's a crack here and a crack there obviously it happens with any operation but they've certainly geared up in association with your alliance. Yeah, well, well, with respect to COVID-19, the Provincial Health Officer established requirements and orders with guidance with the BCCDC and implementing policies and procedures to protect workers from the risk of exposure to COVID-19, while WorkSafe BC ensures the direction and guidance provided by associations meet these requirements. And we certainly are one of those associations who is dedicated to health and safety support the industry. Lisa McGuire, the CEO of the Manufacturing Safety Alliance of British Columbia, safetyalliancebc.ca. Final word, Lisa? I want to express my continued thanks to all our essential frontline workers, our food processors and manufacturers are providing the food and goods we all need right now. We're all in this together, all have a part to play to support the success. And we're here to help keep BC workers safe on the job. Thank you. Really appreciate your efforts, uh, Lisa, you and your organization. SafetyAllianceBC.ca. In time now for our executive producer of Vancouver Consumer, Andrew Ferreira. Ask Andrew. So I'm asking you, Andrew, why is there a surge in rural property interest? Uh, People don't want to be in big cities where, you know, they have a greater chance, admittedly, of of catching COVID-19. Uh, this is in Vancouver penned an article and they interviewed uh, a, a BC rural recreational property specialist by the name of Freddie Marks. Uh, and, he, and he says in the article, uh, before COVID-19, they had, you know, maybe two to four inquiries uh, for any rural property per day. Uh, but now he says that they're up to 12 to 15 inquiries per day. So, you know, that's a good, you know, tripling or quadrupling of the total inquiries. 
um, you know, everywhere from, you know, the Rocky Mountains out to the coast, rural communities have been, you know, lots of people looking to get away and lots of people rightfully so needing to get away. There's a lot of people I know who are, you know, being told, please take time off and do something. So there's a lot of people who are spreading out um, and whether or not that's a good idea is not up to me. I say if you can avoid it, you should avoid it. Uh, but the fact remains that people are still going out there uh, and, you know, going to lakeside communities, you know, waterfront communities, mountainside communities. And a lot of people are realizing, wait, maybe I really like this, right? <laughs> yeah, that's and right. maybe they're thinking, maybe I could make this move, right? Um, and so th- I think that that's probably what's driving a lot of this is, you know, uh, as as people are starting to kind of be wary of this. They're starting to see the benefit of, oh, maybe if I can, you know, afford, you know, like a cottage or, you know, something like that out in, you know, the BC interior. Or maybe people are saying, maybe this whole, maybe if I can work from home, I can just move out of the city entirely and live, you know, the the pastoral cottage life I've always wanted to lead. Um, so I think it's this combination of all those different things. And plus, you know, the BC interior, the Rockies, every, like this province is gorgeous, no matter where you look. And, you know, even from here in Vancouver to, I don't know, you know, Chetwin, BC. I worked in Chetwin, BC for one summer and it was gorgeous up there. It was the middle of nowhere, but it was gorgeous anyway. So it's no surprise really that people are starting to really consider, you know, cheaper much cheaper real estate further away and and in some cases even off the grid right because you're separated from all the you know the the stress and haggles of life in a way so i don't think it's all that surprising given what's been happening but it sure is interesting to look at well i know in my baby boom age group Mm -hmm. uh, those who are either approaching retirement or already in retirement uh, this has been the final straw for many of the people that i've talked to about it and they've said look uh you know I've just simply had enough. I'm ready to make a move on the job with my career. And I've been eyeballing the Sunshine Coast. I'm going to go up there and buy an acre and, you know, put a a, a home on it or a cottage. And you can put some of these homes together at a pretty ridiculously low price compared to what you would find in the lower mainland. You know, these modular homes that they're piecing together. They basically crane in one half of the home. Then they crane in the second half and you bolt them together. You get a thousand square feet for... 260,000 bucks, and there you got a thousand square foot home on a patch of land on the waterfront. So I can see why people are getting that urge to look at a rural property Mm -hmm. now because this pandemic was the final straw that is really (laughs) pushing a lot of people to look elsewhere. And I'm not going to lie, like this pandemic, in a way, because of all of the time that I've spent just kind of sitting at home doing nothing, it's given me a lot of time to go you know what maybe i do want to try camping again it's been a while since i've really gone camping camping and all of this you know time spent indoors and me realize well we live in a really nice place maybe we should actually take advantage of it well you're not home doing nothing you're actually thinking so that's something that's true and working <laughs> yeah. I, I am working. oh i know <laughs> i know andrew ferrar our executive producer here at vancouver consumer on cknw i'm manny bazunas the proceeding was a paid commercial program Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.